is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that anything is possible. Why? Because he'll take your situation, whatever it is you're going through, and he'll turn it around for your glory. I mean, for his glory and for your deliverance. Amen. Amen. And so my God is more than enough. He will take the impossible and make it possible every single time. We have a full room in the house. Uh, we got Miss Hannah. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I got my ice caffeine energy drink. Ice Trying caffeine. something new. <laughs> Tropical punch flavor. Uh, you should try this uh, cheap Mountain Dew. It's, it'll put tears in your eyes. Um, <laughs> Miss Miss Excellent, how are you? I'm doing good this morning. Miss Got Jamie. my purified drinking water. So there's well, so that. far she is the healthiest <laughs> one of us all. Um, she's got the hey, has zero water. Sugar. Uh, then Mr. Jacob Swift, how are Nine you? Two. Doing good. How about you? I'm doing terrific. I'm waking up um, now. Uh, so I'll tell you, when you hit that, when you're all drowsy and then you hear that time to scramble at eggs, and I don't know if it's the thought of food that wakes me up or the fact, oh, it's game time. Let's go. Um, <laughs> it's one of the two, but I don't know. It's always a joy to be with you guys every single morning here, weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the Box 2 Radio Network. We're excited for all that God's doing. Got two more days, and then the Bethel Christian Academy graduation here is Friday Starting at 6 o'clock p.m. It's going to be a great event, always a great event, and a time to celebrate the kiddos. And then I think, uh, now, the guy that is at Clarkson Community Friday night having a concert, too, as well. I, last time I heard, I think there is more tickets available. And so let me get over to a Facebook page real fast. And, uh, yes, there's still the, the there's tickets available, so you can contact um I think it's, let me see here. If you look up on Facebook, Clarkson Community, I think that I have a link to the person you need to contact to see if you want tickets. But um, Stephen, let me say here, I need to figure out how to say his name correctly, his last name. Uh, let's see. Well, I'm, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling, but I'm not for sure. I don't see the name. What's the name? Somebody help me. Um, nobody's helping me. <laughs> let's see here. Well. You don't see the last name? I don't see a name, period. Um oh. And so I know his first name is Stephen, I think. I think. I'm, I'm not for sure. Uh, is it spelled S-T-E-P-H? Uh, yeah, I think so. But I thought there was a, um, let's see here. <clears throat> I don't know. Clarkson, commu- I'm, I'm looking. I am looking. It's not this guy, is it? Uh, yeah, whatever his name is. It is that guy? Yeah. McWerther. McWerther. Uh, he, I think he was like, is or was or still is. That's like Jesus was, is, and is to come. Uh, um, He's the one who, he does uh, grave clothes, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so he, oh, here's your tickets. I got tickets being thrown at me in here. So <laughs> let's see here. Clarkson Community, uh, this Friday night, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Stephen McWerther. Um, Clarkson Community Church. I got five tickets in here, I guess, to give away. Um, so, Jamie, you want a ticket? Nope, you're going to graduation. <laughs> Sorry. All right. um, no, I'm just kidding. There is, uh, got some tickets here in the house. We've got tickets. I mean, they got tickets still available. So, you can uh, reach out to Clarkson Community Church. I think you can find them on Facebook and um, find information who to message if you're interested in going to that Clarkson Community on Friday night, 7.30 p.m. Central Time. And there's still tickets available for that. So very excited for all that God's going to do over there that evening. I think he is. What's the group he's with? Um, don't like 
don't judge me, Jamie. All right, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm not good with music, so like I I barely know like any music whatsoever, and um, so I'm trying to figure out Iron Bell. Is that a name? Iron Fist, Iron Fist. I don't know. Help me out. <laughs> help me out, Miss Megan Sosh. Maybe you can help me on this one too. She already helped me with the Stephen McArthur right whenever Hannah showed me that. So, um, but I, I I hear that they're on like Kate, like a lot of Kate, like different mm-hmm. radio stations and stuff like that. So um, <clears throat> that they're, I don't know. I I'm not good at music, so don't ever <laughs> judge me based upon music because I don't even know half the songs. I just found a song the other day that's 11 years old. I'm like, how did I never hear this? This is a great song. <laughs> so that's me. Um, like I was on the I was on the mower and tractor probably Monday. I don't even know how long I was on it for a long time, and I don't know if I listened to one song to be honest with you. I'm a nerd, so um, listen to podcasts. Like yesterday, I listened to. Uh, this is how nerdy I am. On when I was on the tractor yesterday, in, yesterday evening doing gravel work, I think I listened to almost five hours of systematic theology. So it's a, literally a guy <laughs> teaching in a monotone voice about big words that I would never be able to pronounce because I'm a country hick. And so it's like that's that's my jam though. Like that's my stuff. And uh, I don't know. I'm a weirdo. Hey, but some of it's still gonna stick, and you're probably gonna use it in your sermons one of these days. <laughs> Well, if you're listening to it for that long, I'm just, I'm trying to get smarter. Um, no, I will say if I'm doing tasks like that or driving, I would, when I'm by myself, I like to listen to podcasts and sermons. I like podcasts too. Now, if I'm like cleaning the house or something, which I really don't like to do, I'll, I'll listen to music to kind of get me pumped up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, I used to listen to, um, I, I was a, I used to have like a, I would listen to sermons, and in my political days when I was like all about politics, I would listen to a lot of political podcasts too. But um, at this point, I'm about ninety eight percent out of politics completely. I don't listen to it. I don't really. I try not to think about it, um, and I just let it ride because I used to have this ambition. I have no idea because it would have probably been a wreck of a uh, ambition. I was determined that I wanted to be a pastor who held, I mean, on one side, and then I wanted to do political things on the other side, not running for office, but I wanted to like be able to go and give speeches and stuff like that to like Generation Zs and younger millennials and, and try to figure out how do we can be more conservative with our thought patterns, but yet still like there's some things that I will never be open to a discussion on. So abortion for me, never open for discussion. Um, how I feel about same sex marriage and stuff like that. Pro- never, never open for Cause why? Because I think it's anti-scripture. So if it's mm-hmm. anti-scripture, I'm not, I'm not like, now I'm not like going to punch you in the face with the Bible, but I'm also never going to agree with you You're on not your consensus. That idea. But if yeah. it's a concept of, cleaner energy or it's a concept of how we deal with taxes or it's a concept of um you know social confines and how we think about it or how we raise our kids or things that are more open-handed issues for me i love to engage in debate and conversation on that and so that's kind of what i wanted to do but it gripped my heart to such an extent that it was i couldn't continue in that area because i think it, it had me going down every avenue and i found that what happened to me so much was and I know this is going to be a statement that some people don't like, but 
I found myself cutting the ear off of the guy in the garden mm-hmm. to where he never hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. And Jesus had to come and put it back on. And so I got tired of getting in his way. And so I just, I try to step out of his way. And again, if it's a scriptural issue, then I'm, I'm, you're never going to sway me because you can't get me to deter from scripture. But, you know, if it's so like abortion, same-sex marriage, um, honestly, this sounds even funnier, like things like socialism and communism, you'll never sway me there because I believe it's anti-scriptural because if you don't work, you don't eat. And I think capitalism is is not necessarily the godly thing, but I think it's more geared towards um, rewarding you for good behavior, good behavior, good work ethic, um, hard work, dedication, which we kind of talked about yesterday with everybody mm-hmm. gets a trophy. And if you, the, everybody gets a trophy is literally the preparatory stage for communism and socialism. It's just, it's what it is because it's teaching you to accept everybody gets the same thing regardless of how much work you put in. And so I had to leave all that field, though, because it gripped my heart. And so now I'm pretty much just straight nerd up talk and <laughs> just give me systematic theology and we're ready to roll. <laughs> and, um, and I do like apologetics, too. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you all take apologetics in college? I didn't, but I wish I would have because I love apologetics. No, I don't think there was like um, a class that focused on apologetics. I think they touched on it in some classes, but it wasn't. They basically just defined what it was and just didn't go deep well, into I'm gonna it. I'm going to go talk th- to the dean of students. Could. They need one. <laughs> I think we just weren't aware that we could choose to take a class like that because they definitely had them. I just think that we weren't like told the options that there were mm. in those classes. So. Mm. I'd love to take a apologetics class. I even thought about taking one online, mm. um, like just to get it in me a little bit more because, yeah. uh, well, I mean, for example, like the case of Christ for Christ, like the journalist who said, mm-hmm. I'm going to disprove the cross and the resurrection. And yeah. I'm going to disprove that. And then he goes in there to disprove it. And guess what? He can't. Mm-hmm. And he is persuaded and he is convinced he is born again. And now he's wrote a lot of different things um, for those who don't, dabble in apologetics and you want to um josh mcdowell's got a lot of really good books out there um 20 questions uh let's see here why don't you briefly can you like summarize what Mm -hmm. what it means for people who might might not know apologetics would be defense of the faith to an unbeliever without using the bible to do it um and Mm -hmm. people get really upset when i say that but um you can use the scripture but if, if Jamie is an unbeliever and I go up to you and the only thing I give you is the Bible, that means a lot to us. But to an unbeliever, that's not going to mean much. Yeah. So if you're going to use the scripture, you still have to labor to prove the scriptures right. Mm-hmm. And so in that, I think that's where apologetics comes in because it's a defense of the faith. Mm-hmm. And there's like 400 and something evidences of the resurrection that you can talk about without even like let's see here i forgot the the exact one somebody did this one time and there was like hundreds of them so i don't want to put an exact thing but it's like way you can prove the resurrection without even using the scripture but in history and you can go to josephus Mm -hmm. you can go into um, some of these early church fathers and things that are considered you know pretty viable historical documents are proven the resurrection so I have this question because I listen to a lot of people who, um, a lot of evangelist, evangelistic type people who um, work with like um, preaching to Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm. um, Mormons, Muslims, faiths that literally 
are anti completely sure. anti um, scripture. Yeah. Um, and so in those instances, would you consider that apologetics too? Yes, it would because be. it's just a different version because the they're outside of the yeah. faith. And so that's that's kind of what I like. I mean, obviously with unbelievers too, but it's very interesting to me to see people that are so good at like preaching to Muslims sure. and preaching mm-hmm. to Jehovah's Witnesses because they will sit there and argue with you. I mean, they will. They're ready. They're yeah. ready to like have all their stuff ready to defend what they believe. But whenever you can defend the Bible so well and defend like the truth so well that you can get them to listen, like, I don't know, that just interests me so much. Mm -hmm. Jehovah Witnesses surround one verse, John 3, 3, 16, and they're going to say the Greek article is a, so it's a son of God and not the son of God. So they Mm -hmm. switch it. Now, the problem is, if you look at it and you interpret that Greek article wrong, in the Greek, it can almost say A, but it really does not provoke A as in he's one of many son. It's the son of God. And that's why all translations do end up translating it the son of God, um, only begotten son of God. And they would say only begotten a son of God. And so, um, so you really can leave the article out almost to an extent. But they do that, and that's where they get the derivative of or the ideology that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. So they rip away Jesus' divinity and not make him fully God. And they put him as a God, but not the God. And so that's one of the biggest downfalls. The problem is a lot of them are more prepared to discuss their faith than we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go up to a you can you can go and have a talk with an Islamic person and in the Quran you can use their own Quran against them because they say that Jesus is a good prophet. But in the Quran it talks about where he took dirt, formed a dove, blew breath into it and it blew off, which means that he is creator at that point. Because Muhammad could never create. Muhammad actually never did a miracle. And so you have all of these things that are riding towards Jesus being creator, even within the Quran itself, and then you don't a Muslim don't really know how to defend that when you start to point out that well, Jesus is creator. And, um, and so I think that being able to defend your faith is is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I was a youth pastor here, we did about a month, um, I don't know, it may have been six to eight weeks. It's, it was It happened years ago. But what we did is we interacted each night with a different faith. So... Um, we basically did illustrations and we walked through how to witness a witness to a Muslim, witness to a Jehovah witness, witness to different kinds and different types of ideologies and thought patterns and faiths. And we did illustrations, we interacted and it was a lot of fun. Um, and sometimes what we would do, and I think this, the kids love this. I would pretend to be the Muslim and make them come and try to, win me over (laughs) and uh i made them do the soul winning and we would just annihilate them like i mean because but the annihilation then led to edification and that would then start to produce in them an ability to stand firm on their faith and make them think beyond just the shallow which yeah that is one thing i'm glad that you brought that up because building I've seen this done in a way that's very condescending to the person and not done out of love. Yeah. Many times, actually. I've witnessed people that I know doing this in a way that is totally uh, attacking the person, not even just attacking their faith, but attacking the person um, and doing it 
hatefully and not doing it out of love. And so the people that I like to listen to and watch videos of like street ministry, this um, certain person that I watch is so loving with the way. Now he's direct. He's not going to just let somebody sway him to believe something else. But in the way that he delivers, he's loving about it. Like he's not attacking them and he's respectful too mm-hmm. like he he was like if you hear me out like p- let me please let me finish what i'm saying and i would love to hear you know what you have to say about this and then they you know go back and forth and so he was very respectful of the mm. person yeah while he's doing it hmm. um there's a guy on social media and i can't like say i fully support because i haven't listened to him enough i listen to him a lot and everything he said i found to be good but I forgot his, I don't know his actual name. I think his social media name is Red Letter Pen or Red Pen or something like that. Oh, I've, I need to, but he answers questions, um, uh, but basically doing this. Mm-hmm. And I have found him to be very, very good. Um, <clears throat> and I found like, what he'll do is take clips of wokeism and take clips of people being crazy with some of their ideologies and he will just slowly pick it apart yeah and i think he does a really really good job at it you know i think sometimes like getting them to see not coming at them but actually asking them questions kind of like jesus did Mm -hmm. jesus always asked a question well they would ask a question but he would answer with the question Mm -hmm. and so it actually sends them to thinking and they start to see things differently yep uh i think his name is um, Red Pen Logic. Hmm. Yeah, Red Pen Logic. I see him on Instagram. I know he's on Facebook. I don't have Instagram, um, which I guess if you have Facebook, you have Instagram now because they own each other. Mm-hmm. But I've never been on Instagram. This face isn't one you take pictures of and put it on social media. <laughs> this face is the one you put on radio. And so, but Red Pen Logic, I found him to do a very, a good job every time I've heard him. Now, if you listen to him and say, what is he talking about? I'm sorry because I haven't listened to every single thing he's ever done, but the things I have found good. Um, Mike Winger from Bible Thinker. Bible Thinker. I think he is. He is. Um, if you, if you never listen to Mike Winger on Bible Thinker, uh, he does Q and A every Friday on his podcast. And um, now, one time he taught on women in ministry. Um, I think his one podcast was nine and a half hours, so he was very thorough. <laughs> He's about my age. Um, me and him's probably, he may be a couple years older than me, but I have found very few people in podcasts and teaching like he does it. Like he, that's his life. He just teaches the Bible on, on social media and Facebook. That's all he does. Um, and YouTube. And uh, I have found very few people that love the text as much as he does. Like, mm-hmm. but also loves people. And I don't know. I just think he does such a very, he's thorough. Like, that's what I really appreciate. He's so, so thorough with his um, Bible exegesis and, and, and how he pulls out of the text and his con- and contextual understanding of the text. Um, sorry. You can tell I'm, 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 I'm still in my systematic theology mindset. <laughs> so it's just like, I think he does such a good job yes. with it. Yeah. And this is very important for the body of Christ. Like, Jake and McClure, when he preached here that Wednesday night, this is basically what he's telling us. We, we've yeah. got to be good with the text. Defending the faith. Yeah. And um, the unfortunate thing is probably, I would say Christianity is probably the, reli- like, I don't, we don't like the word religion. 
But if you're going to classify us among the religions of the world, we are probably one of the lessers for actually knowing what we believe. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is if you get an Islamic family, every kid is trained. Yeah. I mean, they are they're fully equipped to know what they believe at a young age. Um, Hindu, um, Buddhists, like you get all of these, you even get an out into the satanic rituals. Kids are being trained at a young. Why? Because the people, well, for first of all, their parents are fully equipped to train them because they know. Um, but Christianity is the one thing that a lot of people don't know what we believe. They hear the gospel in the, in the Sunday school er, arena of, well, you say a prayer, you get saved and congratulations, you're going to heaven. But we actually really don't know the gospel. Like we don't know what it is. We don't know how to unpack what Jesus did. We don't know about the cross. We don't know about propitiation. We don't know about justification. We don't know about um, adoption. We don't know about um, a lot of things. And we just have this ideology. It's just say a prayer, get saved, and you're good to go. But we really don't know what happened in our own hearts. And so how can we tell somebody else what's going to happen in their heart if we don't even know what happened in our heart? And this is why we... Uh, I'm not saying we all have to be nerds, but we do have to have an understanding of the text because the scripture tells us to be instant in season and out of season, be ready to give a defense of your faith. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think all throughout the New Testament, they're telling us like, you know, you have been giving this, this scripture, because like Peter, Peter spoke of Paul's writing as scripture and Peter calls Paul's writing scripture and he's talking about knowing scripture. So he's telling us, basically, you better pay attention to what Paul's writing. Yeah. And that was Peter saying it himself. Do you think it could be because people follow man so much in the body that mm, they don't yeah. follow Jesus? They just follow man. And when that man passes or moves on or falls, that they fall with the man? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think we have a superstar issue in the church. Yeah. Um, and I think that we rely on a man to do all the work of study and so that I have to do nothing Mm-hmm. And I will just glean from what he says on Sunday morning. But yeah. the New Testament tells us, again, to be Bereans, that when somebody says something. So if I preach something on Sunday morning, there's an expectation that you all or whoever hears it will go home and just search. Is he right? Like, is he wrong? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's it's kind of like we being tossed around by every wind of doctrine in the body. And I think that's what it is. People follow doctrine instead of following Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And it's like they. They uh, they seek after this next thing or like you, we've talked about fads or whatever, even though there might be some truth in some of these things that people go after. They feel like they follow after something instead of Jesus. Their yeah. eyes are on something else. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think trend setting and and fads were the thing when I, I was younger. I did it like all the time. Like it was, oh, that sounds awesome or that's great. And I mm-hmm. chase it. But I think. Um, as we mature in the word and as we get more word in us, fads and trend don't tend to have mm-hmm. an effect on us as much as they used to. So we're not caught up with every wave. Uh, I'm going to go back to the parent thing, but I think a lot of kids aren't <laughs> seeing their parents reading their word yeah, it's as true. they're growing up. And so that's not being passed down to them. And it's just not being a discipline that's being taught or mm-hmm. or observed or anything. And then once the kid grows up, once they're in college, Look what they walk into when they're in college. Yeah. The flannel graph don't help them much in college. <laughs> what do you say? The flannel graph theology doesn't help them much in th- in college. What is that? Because you um, the cute Noah brought two animals on the ark, and that's <laughs> yeah. it. Like, that's all oh, we yeah. know. And <clears throat> yeah. God saved them. But you get a long-haired hippie professor comes in with philosophy one day, 
the first day class and says there's no absolute truth. Yeah. So everything you believe is subjective to what you believe, but there's no objective truth to saying that, oh, it's just true. There's no mm-hmm. way you can get around it. And, and then you have these college kids graduating, getting out to the workforce, having their own families, and then the faith is lost. Yes. They have no faith. And that's, that's what's true. happening. That's what's happened in this generation right now. And so the ones that have watched their parents, you know, read their Bible and things like that, either they grab onto it and they they run with it or they rebel against it. And I've talked to a lot of people who didn't really have the example or they're in, you know, split homes. One parent did know the Lord and one parent didn't going back and forth between homes. And I've talked to people who are just believe the lie from the enemy that, well, I'm not smart enough to understand this Mm -hmm. Bible. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I don't, I open it up and I get frustrated. Like that's what I hear over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And I understand because I've been there before. I have been there before. But the thing I always share is Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I, let me pray with you. And like the power of prayer with reading the word is yeah. what I mm-hmm. constantly will, will tell people. You know what I have found <laughs> a lot, though, when we talk about feeling not smart enough to deal with the text or anything like this, I think hardly ever. Now, there are your few examples to where maybe you have a cognitive um, issue that would prevent you from, but it wouldn't just be the word. At that point, you would struggle with reading, period. Mm-hmm. And it may be more difficult, but you still, by God's grace, can understand the text. But mm-hmm. I want to say this, like, I think a lot of it is not that we have an inability to understand the text. It's that we have an unwillingness to wrestle with the text mm-hmm. because we've learned to let everything happen quickly. And we don't want to yep. think about stuff. We don't want to study. We don't want to ponder. We don't want to go deep. We want Google to tell us in 3.3 <laughs> seconds mm-hmm. on on our gig of Internet. Uh-huh. And if it don't happen within three seconds, and I don't know it within three seconds because that's how we're built. And mm-hmm. I think it's a tactic, the enemy, that we're a generation that loves shorts, that loves Facebook Watch, that loves TikTok, that loves Instagram mm-hmm. reels or whatever they're called, um, because everything needs to happen quickly. Give mm-hmm. me 30 seconds and you teach me everything I need on 30 seconds. And we try to take that to the scripture, but you'll never know everything about the word you need by doing short reels of 30 seconds. Spots. It doesn't happen quickly. That's no. the thing. People don't want to set aside this amount of time to mm-hmm. spend in the word. And even in school, we see that like years ago, you know, school was a lot more time consuming for kids, like things that you had to do, the ways you had to study and do papers because you didn't have the Internet yeah. to just automatically search everything. Mm-hmm. So now we have all this at our fingertips, but we don't have that discipline of actually getting in a book and studying it and knowing what it's like to be disciplined and spend that much time studying even stuff in school. So then whenever you go to study the Bible, it's like foreign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a culture issue. Even yeah. it, it, it's a culture issue that's has affected studying the Bible too. Yeah. Well, I think Dutch sheet said it best in intercessory prayer is that we are a microwave generation, not mm-hmm. a crock pot. Yeah, yeah. True. Um, and honestly, the stuff we eat in the microwave is not doing our bodies any favor. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's probably killing us. Um, and, like, a lot of your health gurus say that. Me? Well, it's probably not what I eat in the microwave. It's probably what I just eat in general because um, I don't <laughs> eat you know, green food. And so that's probably why I have gray hair. Some I did read on the Internet the other day to where poor diets equal gray hair. 
because I was researching how I can speak better so everybody don't think I have a speech and like problem or something like this um but i did read come across gray hair because i was thinking does gray hair equal wisdom or is it something else and they said you have a poor diet if you have gray hair at a young age and i said well that's it right there i thought it was wisdom the whole time and it's just a poor diet (laughs) google confirmed it um and so go ahead uh, you know i just want to say to people out there because if you're like me i mean uh i'm not that person that can sit down and just read a book and take something from it. You know, I know there's a lot of people out there. I'm just not that person. You know, I'm more of a visual. Uh, that's how I learn. I have to see it or I have to um, experience it or what. I, I don't want to say experience, but I have to. It's almost like it takes me. I could read a book. The same person could read a book like 100 pages. It would take they might read it in two days or a day. It would take me like a month. Because I don't comprehend what I'm reading sometimes, but that's where I think that if it it, it kind of bores me, I just my mind be like I read it, but I don't remember it, you know. And there's a lot of people out there that like that. But if I see it, it's different. Or some, you know, maybe it's presented at me. I'll, it it captivates me. It's different. So I don't I don't I'm not for sure if there's somebody out there like that. I believe that there is a discipline in. Even if it takes you longer than somebody else, you know, it's soak okay. it. It's okay. Yeah. And, and because, man, I've been at this for a long time, and I feel like there's people catching up to me as fast as, you know. But at the same time, it's that, you know, you, you may not re- be able to take it all in all the time, you know. I, and I always said this. I'd rather know the revelation and impartation of a single verse than I could quote the whole Bible and not have any <clears> – <throat> have anything not have it in you yes because i've seen that happen so many times people don't apply it to their life apply if you could apply one scripture to somebody who knows the whole bible but never applied one scripture to the you're just i mean the enemy knows the bible he Mm, he can read it you know it has to mean something it has to get inside of us yeah Yeah. and that's why i love mornings with vox too how we do like the john study and different things because we blew past today <laughs> oh, true. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. It's not going anywhere. It'll be there tomorrow. It's Lord okay. Willing. Well, we do it every day, pretty much. So, <laughs> <laughs> but but we're talking about it, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love how we. I was never really taught to break down scripture, like literally line upon line. Like mm-hmm. I, that's something I was never taught. Now I know that Brother Ron taught that. I know that um, it's a teaching that's been out there. Yeah. But I don't feel like right now that we're like our generation is being taught that because Mm -mm. it's it's just not being talked about but there's power in it because the more that we do that the more that they stick with me and the more that you actually see that like wow like the bible is rich like Mm -hmm. like literally we can talk about this one line for a whole mornings with box two like we go over the 30 minutes all the time talking about one line well after the break what i would like to do is we're just going to take a random text. We'll wait and just choose it at random um, after the after the break, and we'll work through studying a random text and see how we would how we would do this. But onto Jacobs too, I think that reading is a discipline we learn. I don't yeah. think nobody's good yeah. naturally at reading. Really, I think it's something we learn to do. Mm-hmm. And also, I think there's different kinds of readings. Um, like if I am studying. It could take me a de- like a day to read one page because I'm just like thinking. I'm just yeah. thinking whether that's in the scripture, whether that's in a systematic theology book or something. I could just be really pondering what I'm reading, doing all the cross references, really. But if I'm just doing a reference read, 
um, like you learn how to speed read and you learn how to do this and you can probably read a book in like a 240 page book in about an hour and a half, two hours. If you really, if you learn that discipline, Jamie knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> you're just looking for words. Like you're just pinpointing words. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, have you ever done those Facebook things where you read words backwards? Like, yeah. so your mind just is there. And I think that's something you learn. Um, cause I was a horrible reader and actually I'm still not a great reader. Um, because I don't get to do it as much as I want when you have seven kids in the house. So uh, <laughs> at, at this point, yeah. like I'm more of an audio guy because yeah. I have to be because you don't get peace and quiet with seven <laughs> kids in the house. So it's hard to read when you got uh, Miss Rachel on three televisions. And then you, <laughs> hi, let's wave. That is a good wave. <laughs> I mean, wait, can I please share that? What Cloud says? What's that? Yes. Oh, Lord. So. And this was like, man, I hope that more kids don't think this, but uh, Cloud was trying to tell Jamie, he was watching Miss Rachel, and he said, that's my mommy. Yes, he uh, is right. convinced that Miss Rachel looks like Heather. And oh, okay, that makes more sense. He that, is like, he says, you, mommy, you. Oh, and okay, I guess that's, he, that's better. I thought yeah. he just thought that Miss Rachel Cloud, was his mom now. Cloud doesn't have the best eyesight in the world, yeah. and he refuses mm. to wear his glasses. Honestly, like we, I could see Miss Rachel him. looking similar to Heather. I could well, see it. look, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Miss Rachel's a great person. I'm sure she's a great person. And But if I go into the house one more time and hear, hi, Good morning, kids. Let's <laughs> practice waving today. On the count of three, let's wave. One, <laughs> two, three. Oh, she does do that. She holds out her words like that. And she pins point to her mouth so they can learn pronunciation and how to use their tongue when it rolls off for correct terminology and all that kind of stuff. And they're just like, three. Hey, Aaron, maybe you need to watch Miss Rachel. <laughs> I have. It's really not bad. I'm just kidding. It's really not that bad. I'm just kidding. I've got to read the question before we get into my speaking abilities because <laughs> Jacob's in the house and he'll tell me how much of a lisp I have again. All right. How how conceived? All right. <laughs> Who conceived a son after Elisha predicted she would? Wednesday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who conceived a son after Elisha predicted she would. 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Vox 2 Radio on the Vox 2 Radio Network. Well, hi, kids. No, I'm just kidding. Right. We're back here on Mornings of Vox 2 Radio. Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made us May 17, 2023. It's a beautiful day outside. Um, I'm so thankful that a lot of the rain this week has held off. We had a couple of storms yesterday. But overall, it's going to be a beautiful week and very excited again for Friday, um, BCA graduation. Then don't forget the concert. If you still want tickets, you can reach out to Clarkson Community Church. I'm sure there is more tickets there with Stephen McWerther. Is that his, I hope that's saying his name right. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm horrible with pronunciation. So um, I'm just going with that. If you say it with confidence, most people, you know, believe it. Um, <laughs> and so that's kind of what we ride off of. Uh, we don't have a trivia answer yet, but if you want to get in on this, who conceived a son after Elisha predicted she would? Again, who conceived a son after Elisha predicted she would? 270-257-2689. Uh, we'll get your in for this two-week drawing. And um, not for sure what we're giving away. We just gave away a book package, and Miss Elizabeth won that last week, and then got to get her the book package. I meant to give it to her at church Sunday, and it slipped my b- brain. So 
pretty much every time I ever mean to give somebody something at church, I, it's an epic fail because I just get so busy and wrapped up that day. And um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm delegating she, it to Jamie. She so, was here yesterday at Prairie. She was. She was here yesterday too. It's two days in a row. I've <laughs> two times this week. I've missed her. And so Miss Elizabeth comes and prays with you all, and y'all are praying down heaven. And oh yeah, um, oh yeah, <laughs> hallelujah. And so good stuff, good, good stuff. stuff. So we're gonna work on studying a text. Um, so I let's do a New Testament text, and um, I think Jamie has one. You got one? Well, really, I was just reminded of this verse as we were talking about the previous discussion of basically how we're spoon-fed all this knowledge and we don't really seek seek it for ourselves. But 1 Corinthians 3, where Paul is talking about um, how the, how he had to feed them with, with milk and not with solid food because they weren't ready for anything mm-hmm. stronger and they sure. still weren't ready because they were controlled by their sinful nature. Yes. So let's move over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, and basically... He is a, he, he's talking about maturity mm-hmm. in this. So let's read this, and we'll start breaking it down. Because here's the one thing you always got to remember when you're studying your word, is one verse cannot stand alone. Mm-hmm. It's got to stand within the context. And the number one thing you always have when you're studying a verse is the context. Now, the way this works is, I, w- I wish I had a visual, but you draw a little circle. That little circle is your verse. So that may be the verse you're studying, and it could even be a smaller circle, and it could be a word within the verse. So really, you could go into the word of milk within this, and we're getting ready to go to this text and actually read it and work through this together, but you you start out with the smallest word you can find, the smallest smirkle, the smallest (laughs) circle that you can get. And then you'll work out. So if it's a word, you get that word, and then you go to the text, the the verse it's found within. Then you're going to go to the portion of the verse, I mean, like the the chapter or like the vision or whatever you want to say. Then you go to the chapter, the book, then the whole Bible. You're always working out, but you first have to start there. Now, this is one of the important things, I think, of reading through the word, even if you're not feeling like you're comprehending everything, is you are comprehending more than you remember. And when you do biblical theology, biblical theology is different than systematic theology because biblical theology is a narrative. And it's basically taking you through the narrative scripture and you're going to fit everything into the narrative scripture about um, salvation, stotorology, or um, how we saved, what makes us saved. So we're starting in Genesis, working all the way to Revelation, and what is the story that God's telling us in this word? And what are the, the details of that story? Systematic theology is taking a topic and saying, what does the scripture say on that topic? So um, we could take the topic of, I'm just going to throw one off the top of my head, glorification. So glorification is basically what's going to happen in this body when I die. So my body will be glorified. Jesus, Jesus was glorified. Well, the Bible speaks on that quite a bit. So systematic theology would take glorification and figure out what does the Bible say about this? What scriptures are talking about it? What scriptures reference it? And how do we take all of this and fit it into a topic? Now, when you're studying contextually, though, you need to understand biblical theology because you're understanding, well, what's the context of Paul's maturity statement? Because all throughout the, the scripture, we can start to think and relate to, well, Israel really struggled with this because Israel would fall away, they would come back. They would fall away, they would come back. They were never mature. They never grew in the word. They was always giving milk. Somebody was always telling them. How do you think that, Aaron? Well, if you go back to Moses, 
Moses was with the Lord on the mountaintop. He was radiating when he came down. If you ask me, he was getting some meat. But when he came down, everybody else wanted to stay on the milk because they were afraid of the milk, meat. Yeah. And so they said, you go up, Moses, and you get that from God, and then you bring it back down to us. What's he asking them to do? Spoon feed me. Yeah. I need you to spoon feed me, Moses. You go do the dirty work. You go get up there. You come down because we don't even we can't even look at you, and we're a little bit scared right now. So we're not going to go up to the mountaintop to, with you. We're going to stay down here, and you're going to come and take care of us from what you get at the mountaintop. And this is where we're kind of at in First Corinthians chapter three. So if anybody wants to start reading, we'll read probably one to four. Anybody wants to? I can do it. You do it? They hear me talking too much. Um, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, but not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. Mm-hmm. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Mm-hmm. So if we back up here, but I, brothers, so who's he actually talking to? The church. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to people that's not in relationship with the Lord because he's calling them family. And Paul and them did not allude to unbelievers as brothers. Actually, Paul had strong language for those who were un- unbelievers, and they were sons of disobedient ones. And so he was saying, just like Jesus even goes back, your dad is not my dad. Your dad is the devil. He said that in John. So they didn't play games with unbelievers. So when he says, but I, brothers, he's talking to the church. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem. He's talking to the church, but he says, I'm going to read from the ESV, could not address you as spiritual people. Why? You're still flesh. He said, that's, this is where the whole issue is coming out here in this study because we're seeing what Paul's doing. Paul's identifying who he's talking to, and he's immediately identifying the issue. And the issue is not milk and meat as much as it is spiritual and fleshly. And he's identifying the issue, the root of it, is that I need to talk to you with spirituality and depthness, but you're so shallow because you're remaining in your flesh and sin. And he's talking to church people. And so we're diving in here and we're just picking it apart. And we got to think contextually. Now, who's he talking to in the Bible, in in the letter? The Corinth church. What did the Corinth church have going on? A whole lot. Um, Mark Driscoll teaches the, when he taught through the book of Corinthians, he called it church gone wild. And that's kind of what it was, Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. that it's crazy. It's chaos. There's disorder. Everybody is when they talk about a melting pot. It is. It's it's awful. Yeah. um, What would you compare it to in America? Uh, (laughs) Los Angeles. (laughs) I would say. (laughs) I would say that the closest you could probably get to the Church of Corinth in America is probably going to be your 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 San Francisco's your. your L.A.'s, your Hollywood, just because there is what you said, a melting pot. But also there's a lot of areas in that way. Okay, let me say like this. Instead of pinpointing a location, I will say this is a picture 
of the liberal church. And the reason I say that is that the liberal church usually has a lot of giftings. Because, again, giftings does not denote relationship. Giftings are sometimes just given to people. and But it's also poor theology, mm-hmm. a lot of sin. There's no conviction. There's yeah. no holiness mm-hmm. um, because of the core. Like, let's just break down the city of Corinth for a second. Everybody, anybody can interrupt. I'm just talking. So this is, and so when you want to talk, just interrupt me. Um, it's my job. Um, the city of Corinth was a very sexualized city. And mm-hmm. so they had the temple of Diana there. And that was basically, I know we got little kids listening, so I can't go too much in depth what was going on in the city of Corinth. It was just very corrupt. It was per- very perverted. It was very perverse. Um, you know, they, they made boys become men at a young age. And I think anybody that's adult knows what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was a, it was almost like a forced maturity on Mm -hmm. that way. Um, it was just expected to be part of life, um, within the church though. Like that was, that was just kind of the, The it was a port city. city. And so it was like, it was very corrupt as a city, but then as a church, it was chaos. Mm -hmm. Everybody was doing their own thing, you know? Paul talked like, and, and people treated it as, oh, that's a great thing, but it, it wasn't. Mm-mm. Whenever everybody come in with their own song, everybody yeah. come in with a word, everybody come in with a prophecy, everybody come in with a song. Like, it was chaos. Mm-hmm. Because, that, go ahead. Could that not be what today's church in America, or even not even just America, but I mean, it seems to be like we're actually, they're trying to ordain, you know, homosexuals as sure. ministers. I mean, mm-hmm. so there's no. Um, accountability there's no scripture we just accept everything i think that's what the infection in the church is what we're seeing in yeah Corinth. yeah well now there was also a lot of mixed um from what i've studied mixed theologies uh, mixed doctrines yeah that were hard to tell what was truth what's not truth (laughs) yeah well Mm -hmm. i think you have this notable scripture in corinthians that says we have many teachers but not many Mm -hmm. fathers and mm-hmm. I think what Paul was alluding to is a lot of people's teaching a lot of things, but we don't have a lot of fathers fathering. And he actually even backs up because if you go into First Corinthians chapter, I think it's four, where he talks about it did not come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Well, that scripture is in the context of these super apostles that are fake apostles walking around talking about how they're all this grander and all these powerful spiritual things are happening. And they're trying to boast of their ability, boast of their wisdom, boast of this, and they're leading people astray. And Paul goes up and says, I'm not going to tell you anything about quote unquote supposed encounters. I'm not coming to you with what I accomplished. I'm coming to you in the power and demonstration of the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit. I don't need to solidify myself because the Holy Ghost will solidify what I'm saying in me and through me to Mm -hmm. you. And you'll know by the fruit and by the power of God confirming the word. And so all of this is going on in the city of Corinth. The problem is Corinth probably had a lot of good things being taught. And there was probably things happening. And and so because the wheat and the tares sometimes will grow up together. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then there's the threshing floor of it. There's Then there's mm-hmm. a separation. Yeah. And so I think what Paul was actually doing at the city of Corinth was being the threshing floor. Like he was coming in there saying, enough, like... You have teachers allowing anything to happen, but fathers correct, fathers position, fathers affirm, fathers um, put things in the right order. This is what Paul's saying. We need fathers to come into the Corinth church 
and fix this mess. And so Paul is there as a spiritual father to the church trying to correct everything because he really labors for two letters, what? Correcting, whether it's spiritual gift, whether it's behavior like the guy with his mother-in-law, whatever it was, like he's correcting as a father. But he starts here in chapter three and he basically says, I need to talk to you as spiritual people, but I can't because you are still fleshly, you are still sinful, and you are immature because you are still an infant in Christ. You've yet to grow up. And this is what Paul is saying. And man, Paul could probably come preach that in some churches today. Mm -hmm. And there's, see, to me, and I say this as much love as I can muster, it's an indictment against the church if we have somebody born again for 40 years has never grown. Mm. It's a, an indictment against them personally, but it's an indictment against the church because we never forced them to grow up mm-hmm. or even elevate. Or if, if you've been in the church for 40 years and you still can't even in simple terms tell me what the gospel is outside of I'm getting, I said a prayer, I'm not going to hell anymore because Jesus died on a cross. Like, if that's all you know about Christianity after 40 years, we've, we've failed as a church mm-hmm. and we failed as person, person, like persons. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how else to say it. I say that in much love as I possibly can, but true. this is what Paul's dealing. He's saying, guys, I need to talk to you, but I can't. And so all of this has happened in the context mm-hmm. of this chapter three. And he said, I fed you with milk. Who's he talking about? Paul. Yeah. Paul said, I did this. I fed you with milk, not solid food for you were not ready for it. He's basically saying this. If if I was to go give a steak to Ivy right now, it's not a good idea because her her ability to swallow and chew would not be there. So there is a season in every believer's life where they need milk. If if Jamie was just born again yesterday, you were not ready for probably like diving deep into stoterology and figuring out all these ologies and idiogies <laughs> and uh, isms and all this. Like we have to get the, we have to get the principles, the foundation yeah. in you. That's discipleship. But if you only ever stay on the milk, you'll have a failure to thrive because you need more substance, than just milk. Mm-hmm. And the problem is we make excuses for people to stay on the milk and then we're dumbfounded when nobody grows and the church is immature. And not only that, but there's pastors who are just cycling the milk, giving the milk over and over and over. And then and then there are people who are are have matured because they're doing their own personal time with the Lord outside of church. And then they wonder why people leave. Mm -hmm. Mm, Come on. I like it. I like (laughs) it when people. I've probably been guilty of this in the past, but I've learned over the years. But um, I remember uh, people saying, like, well, my pastor said this. And I said, well, did you go and study it for yourself? Did you know what it, if it was true or not? Well, no, my pastor said this. I said, well, your pastor may not always know the truth all the time. So they're quoting their pastor instead of quoting, you know, the word of God. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, hmm, what if they taught you a bunch of stuff that wasn't true? So study it out for yourself understand you know and i think that's where we've seen a lot of the church in america is like they can't only the only thing they can 
tell you about Jesus is John three sixteen. Most and some can't even quote that. You know, and mm-hmm. that's the sad part about. I said that's the foundational um, scripture. Uh, you know, to our faith. But I mean, but they don't understand it. So I mean, but there's so many churches filled with these people, and it's always, always here. It's like, well, my pastor said this. I was like, well, you better know what Jesus said, not yeah. pastor. And and I'm not saying your pastor, your pastor is he's over the flock. Yes, he is. Your your if God's put him there, he, he's your teacher. But know it for yourself. Understand mm-hmm. it for your walk out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't like as a pastor. I can't be with everybody every second of every day, giving them the word, reminding them. Yeah. We've got to have the word in us. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and what Hannah was saying is a lot of truth too, because I, I'm I don't make apologies for this, but Sunday morning is not the soul winning time. Um, and I don't make apologies for that. Like I'm always going to share the gospel, and and. I, I do believe that when I'm like when I'm giving altar calls, I always talk about if you don't know him, today is the day to know him. Like, you know, I, there's always that opportunity. But I've seen and I've been part of things where like every Sunday is a salvation message. Mm-hmm. And what we have then is the saints of the body actually not growing because what Sunday morning is at the time for us to come and assemble together to worship the King of Kings corporately and be equipped for good works. Mm-hmm. And so it's really Ephesians 4, the FIFO gifting, the apostolic, mm-hmm. the prophetic, the evangelistic, the pastoral, and the teaching coming together. Why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry until we all come into the perfect man. Mm-hmm. What's that saying? We have to be prepared, equipped, and sent to do what God's called us to do. And that happens or should be happening on Sunday morning. So Sunday morning is not a um, gospel presentation every single day. Now, God may lead you to do that on Sunday morning. He may change your plans. But really what Sunday morning is supposed to do, my job on Sunday morning is to equip the saints to walk in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's my job. And really, we all should be doing the work of evangelist. So if your pastor's only an evangelist, they're really not pastoring you. Yeah. And... And I think that's one of the biggest things I see a lot of times in the churches is that we have a lot of people preaching the gospel, but we don't have a lot of people teaching the saints and fathering them. And so I think there's a distinctive difference, and I think all of it's necessary. I believe there's a—oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I believe there's a lot of pastors that were never called to be pastors. Ooh. I don't disagree. Yeah. They thought they they got pastor and preacher confused. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And there's nothing wrong with. And you can have both. You can have both. But not everybody has both. I want to say this. And I hope I don't get in trouble. But I think a lot of pastors. Jamie will smack you. A <laughs> lot of pastors. And this happened. I've heard even a minister say this. They're looking for a steady paycheck. Ooh, yeah. And that's why a lot of pastors sought after yeah. the job, and they put we put them in the wrong places where they weren't supposed to be. Well, but we'll continue this conversation <laughs> afterwards. I'm, I mean, because actually, I'm not disagreeing with you because there was actually just a study done, and like there were so many pastors polled, and I I'll try to find this during the break, see if I can from this number. But it was it was appalling how high was that pastor said if I could do another profession, I would but pastoring is the only thing I know how to do. And if if you're looking for a way out, but you don't feel like you have no way out, you may not be called to pastor. And um, because, I mean, pastoring is difficult and it's demanding. 
it's exhausting. And like you could out of like, so if I can meet with Jamie and we could be celebrating, then I could go right into a meeting with Jacob where we're weeping. Mm -hmm. And then we can go right into the conversation with Hannah that's dealing with the sin. Mm -hmm. And so the pastor's expected to be on three roller coasters of emotional because I'm we I'm rejoicing, I'm weeping, and then we're counseling. And if you're just trying to preach, you'll never last in all that. Mm -hmm. But if you live to help people and you live to love the Lord, like I tell people all the time, and I I really do mean this, I don't think I'm prophetic, but I think God uses me because I love him and I love people. And that's all like I just want like when I look at when I'm praying for somebody, I'm not trying to accomplish anything. I'm not trying to Oh, God, I want everybody to see this so we can get a camera in front of them. I'm not doing all this. When I pray for somebody, my heartbeat is, God, I love you, and I love this person, and I'm not the perfect vessel, but just use me so that person knows how much you do love them. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's my heart. Well, that's the best yeah. thing we can pray because it yeah. gets us out of the way. Exactly. And I think if you're just wanting a stage and a microphone, let me tell you, I've I've, hate, I've, I've had the stages. I've had the microphones. I've preached in front of thousands, and it's just— it's not appealing. Like, it's really not like it's just, it's, it, it's just, Oh, to me, to me, I think I found more delight teaching 12 and being able to see that face that goes, Oh, I got it. than preaching to three to 5,000 that one time. And everybody's shouting and jumping because they're just faces. And honestly, yeah. at the end of the day, I preach to those people and I'll never see them again. I don't know if they're, I don't know how their life is. I don't know if somebody's discipling. I don't know if they're maturing. I don't know if they're still on the milk. I don't know if they're on the meat. I don't know if they love their wife. I don't know if they're treating their kids well. I don't know if they're reading the word. I know nothing. I just preach to them. And if that's what excites you, I'm going to say this and we're at a break. You will have your reward on heaven and on earth. Hmm. I don't, I don't know if there's anywhere else to say it. Like if you're just looking to preach, to stimulate people, I believe that's not much different than the Pharisees who are praying to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I believe just as Jesus told them, you will have your reward in heaven. If preaching is your pursuit just for the fame of men and the celebration of their tongue, then I believe, unfortunately, we'll have our reward here on the earth. But preaching should never just be preaching for the sake of preaching. Preaching, preaching is, is, is in the hopes of somebody being impacted somebody yeah. hearing teaching is for equipping um so we got a break i'm I'm over y'all get me stirred up now because this is my this is uh this is my <sighs> all right i gotta do this um wednesday question number two sponsored by we'll do sicilian bank again um because i don't have my information where did the men of judah gather to anoint david as their king where did the men of judah gather to anoint david as their king 270-257-2689 we'll be right back here after the break on mornings of vox 2 radio on the vox 2 radio network We're back on this beautiful May the 17th, 2023 here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Got a full house in the, I got a full house in the studio. Brother Jacob Swift's in the house. Miss Jamie, excellent. And then Miss Hannah Hayes, which she's with me every day. So um, you hear her voice a lot now. Miss Jamie's going to come on some more. She's with us for the summer, um, praying that her feet get settled here, though. I, they're getting can, settled. Oh, they are. God can do a lot <laughs> it's here. De- it's already decided. They're She's getting already settled. Decided. Um, we yep. got. We had a we're wonderful. Settled. We had a wonderful meeting yesterday, and very excited about some of the things that were chatted <laughs> about and talked about. Um, 
And so I told her some of my personal goals too. Of, uh, my brain don't work in organization. Mine either. So. And so, so I'm working process. on it. I'm working on it. Like, um, if if I'm forced to be organized, I can't be. Um, but I try. I'm trying. I'm the kind of guy like I'll just be walking down and I'll be like I could literally, and this is no joke. And y'all know me, so you know this is a true statement. I could be walking over to the school to tell Mr. Miller something, and before long, I'm drawing on a piece of paper about a wall I want to build. Like, that's just who I am. Like, I mean, that's how I'm built, and I, I don't – it just – God made me, so I don't know. Like, you are his I'm, masterpiece. I, I'm, just, I'm just going with it. Um, and so, but we are in – let's see here. We do have an answer for the trivia question, um, don't we? Did we get one for the first one? We did. We did. Um, and that's why I think we got so I got so excited. Um, let's see here. Miss Gail got the first one, Woo-hoo. which was the Shulamite woman. Second Kings four fourteen. She predicted the um, that Elisha would conceive a son. Um, and then the second one, where did the men of Judah gather to anoint David as their king? Joey Sosh got that right. Hebron or Hebron, whichever way you want to say it. Second Samuel two one through four. And then Joey also sent me a video. I was able to listen to some of it before that music hit. Um, but talking about a pastor said, if you know, if he never sees somebody get saved in the actual church house, but yet there's always new Christians coming in, he's still doing his right. And I agree because, like, I'm never going to, like, I don't say that we should never see people saved in the house of the Lord. Like, that's not what I'm saying. So please don't hear that. It's not, I'm not saying pastors should never preach the gospel. That pastor, I'm just saying, don't do it every Sunday because mm-hmm. then we're cheapening. You know, I, I've seen this where like a pastor will have literally the same ten people, and they've all been born again for a long time, but yet every week they hear the same message, mm-hmm. maybe presented in different ways or something like that. But we got to equip. Now, like I may stay on a message for a month and preach it from different texts, but I believe that's the Holy Spirit drilling and helping us to walk in something. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, I would say 99.99% of the time when I preach a message, it's really just me preaching to myself and everybody else gets to overhear. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's kind of what I do. Like, well, that's how I operate. Look at what Jesus did in John. I mean, this whole John study, he, he's repeating. He's mm-hmm. literally repeating the same yeah. thing over and over and over. And they're still not getting it. And they're still not getting it. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, it's kind of uh, like, you know, when I first got saved when I was young, I think I think. I'm pretty sure I went to the altar 20 times and got saved 20 times. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I felt like that every Sunday. Like Aaron talking about this. If you're preaching that message every Sunday, it's like, well, maybe I didn't get it the first time. I'm going to get the second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. So anyway, I don't know if anybody else has I ever did that. I did that too because the message was being preached so much. I'm like, do I need to get saved again? Like, <laughs> like, it, I don't, it honestly yeah. confuses the saints yeah. because you're like, yeah, it does. Well, Holy Spirit, I mean, I think you're leading this, this guy. So, you know, is is this true? And then you really have to, yeah. in your spirit, you have to wrestle with that. Like, mm-hmm. is this what we need to be hearing right now? Mm-hmm. Or do we need to be going deeper? <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and really, it's like, w- we as pastors have the privilege and the honor to really have somebody's ear for however long we want to on a Sunday morning. Um, but usually I'm a, I'm 30, 45 minute guy. Like, that's that's me. Um, I have preached over an hour before. Actually, I preached two and a half hours one time. That was when I was young. And, uh, man, I'm sorry. If you if you listen to me when I was young and every time I preach, I wouldn't stop within an hour and a half, two hours, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, I'm just sorry. Um, and it's not always a bad thing. But 
you know, I also, I feel like what I did then was I said so much and a lot of it I had to repent for. Actually, when when I actually got in the Word and learned what I was saying was half of it was wrong when I was young, I had to go back and repent to pastors, people, everything else. I'm sorry, I taught you something wrong. Um, <laughs> but what I think I did, though, is I taught a lot of things, but nobody left with anything. Mm. And so it's kind of like, because I was just throwing everything out, and it was like, people can't hear that. Like, when you're teaching and preaching, have an attention. Like, you know... This is what I feel like the Holy Spirit's showing me. This is what I feel like he's trying to get me to get across. And this is what I want you to leave with. Um, and if if I, if I preach 15 minutes, but Jamie leaves the service with something that changes her life, that I fail? Or should I have been longer? Should I have been long-winded? Like, no, like, do what God's called you to do. But just make sure that you're equipping the saints that you have been entrusted to father and to pastor with something they can live off of, not the same message every single Sunday. Yeah. And that comes going back to what we originally started with mm-hmm. learning the text. And actually um, yesterday I was talking and I've talked to several people about this. I, I, I'm at this point in my own walk with the Lord and in my own personal study. I don't feel like I struggle with the text enough. Like I don't feel like I sit down at my desk and just struggle with the text. Like, what is it really saying? And I'm not saying I haven't figured out. What I'm saying is I think I'm willing to accept shallow things too much. And I'm willing to just, well, okay, this is kind of what I've heard. This is what I've said. This is what I've done. Okay, let's move on to the next text instead of struggling with it. Like, okay, yes, this is, I've heard this taught. I've heard, I've even taught this myself, but is this really what the text is saying? Like, taking the time to 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 wrestle with it. Like Jacob wrestled with the Lord. I want to wrestle with a text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it takes all day to, or if it takes a week or if it takes a month, I want to wrestle with that text. I want to think mm-hmm. about that text. I want to eat on that text. I want that text to be in my brain throughout the day when I'm bush hogging, mowing, sweeping, riding. I don't know what I'm doing. Eating lunch with somebody. Like I want that text somewhere in my back of head saying, okay, think through it. Okay. So this is going on. This is going on. Why? Because we, as believers, first and foremost, should should love the text. Mm-hmm. We no, should love the Spirit of God, and we should love what He's teaching it's us. It's kind of like when you're reading it, and you say, oh, "Man, I read that five years ago, and then I read it again." You know, like differently today. Mm-hmm. Like I see it differently, and it just more like that's what happens. I believe the scriptures are so full of that that you'll see it, and then you'll like, "Wait a second, I didn't see that before." And then you go into it deeper and it just keeps on and it keeps on just like God just keeps adding stuff like revelation to you and understanding that yeah. scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in the text, it says you as people of the flesh. Mm-hmm. So whenever we are in the flesh and we're in a carnal mindset, we can't sometimes receive what mm-hmm. the word is saying. Yeah. And and there's different stages in our lives when, you know, like the Lord is constantly like peeling back that layer of flesh, peeling back that layer. So it's like years ago, I hope that we were more in the flesh then than we are mm-hmm. now. Yeah. I hope mm-hmm. we're less of the flesh now than we were a few years ago. So, I mean, it that's how it is supposed to happen. We mm. should be getting new revelations because yeah. we're less of the flesh and more of the yeah. spirit. And getting in the word is one of the ways to start getting rid of the flesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you start to read Galatians 5 and you read the works of the flesh compared to the gifts, works of the spirit. And I'm going, whoa, 
Um, yeah, I may have different. more. I have oh, made yeah. like the the problem was like if we read that. And I remember, especially as a younger Christian, I'd be like, I think I have more of the works of the flesh than the fruit of the spirit. So, how's this tide return? How does tide reverse then? Like, but if we're never in the Word and we're just dependent upon our own hearts, hmm. well, our mm. hearts can be very deceitfully yep. wicked. They are. That's true. And and there's nothing more. Like one of the most dangerous things that we can ever do is isolate ourselves from the church and isolate ourselves from the word. Yeah. Yeah. If we're not in the word and we are not with other believers, the that is the that is like prime battlefield for oh, the enemy. Yeah. Mm. And you will be destroyed. Oh yeah. And I'm 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 just gonna be honest with you. If you're not in the word and you are not in a local assembly of community with other believers you are asking to be annihilated by the enemy mm. and you will not grow. Mm. You will not mature and you will not walk in holiness and victory. Amen. Aaron, Aaron that's, that sounds judgment. It's not. No, that's yeah. truth. You can't. Like, that's the truth. You, yeah. you will be led by your own desires. You will be led by your own thoughts. You will have no accountability. You have mm. nobody fathering you and you will grow and you will grow and you will grow. The problem is you will grow in the flesh and not in the spirit. It's kind of like, I know this is kind of a weird analogy, but something they taught us when I worked for Frito-Lay and driving was getting the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they say you'll get tunnel vision and you'll just only see in that car in front of you, you might see this car here, but you don't get the whole entire picture of what's going on. And I believe sometimes in, in, in our walk with Jesus, we get tunnel vision. Sure. And we yeah. just go after this one thing. But, hey, wait, we missed this on the side. But it's kind of like a master puzzle piece. And, like, when you're trying to put this big thousand-piece puzzle together and you're like, got the oh, we got this piece, got this piece. But sometimes you need that person to say, hey, wait a second. This piece goes here. Help. And then it's kind of like everybody's getting this, and they're helping you paint this whole picture mm-hmm. of what we're walking towards. And and I think sometimes you need that other person. Sometimes all I mean, we we could try to put this p- puzzle together b- by ourselves, but it's going to be so hard, and it's going it, it going to get a bit frustrating. So if you allow others to come in, and allow others to come in to seize the whole picture to be able to put these puzzle pieces together. Yep. Yeah, we need each other. We do. Um, and actually, we're going to go off of this needing each other because we need. Let's keep diving into First Corinthians three. Mm-hmm. All right, because. Paul's addressed this, and we're just breaking down the text. That's all we're doing. So we have the problem. Okay, so we have the audience. Who's he talking to? Church. The problem is they're not spiritual. They're still fleshly, and they're immature. Now, Paul is telling them, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Even now you were not ready for it, for you were still the flesh. But let's see why Paul... So what is this flesh that Paul's talking about? Like, let's figure out in the text, let's let the text teach me while they're still fleshly and they're not spiritual. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Well, now Paul's starting to talk about how they're fleshly. Mm-hmm. So this flesh is that the fact that they're still operating in jealousy and they're stuck, they're operating in strife. There's division. There's disunity. Um, and that jealousy, he again, he's talking to the church. And that jealousy, I believe, is about fame, a notoriety, positional authority. It's about, well, Jamie's singing better than me, so I need to go be louder kind of deal. Or Hannah, she's doing this, and I'm jealous. Or it's the older brother syndrome. You gave him the fatty calf, and 
the father reminds the older brother, you've been here the whole time and you never asked for it because all that I have is yours. And mm-hmm. it, and the father was putting the issue on the older brother, never taking what the inheritance that he already had. Mm. And so like, it's that whole jealousy concept and the strife, the, the disunity, the divisions, because really um, this part of Corinth, Corinth, the um, first Corinthians is about divisions. It's about strife. It's about, um, if you go into when he's talking about the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is he basically tells them later on when he's discussing the Lord's Supper in First Corinthians is that you are taking the Lord's Supper, but you're doing it in divisions because you can't even stand each other. Hmm. And he's saying, you all doing your thing. You all are doing your thing. You're over here doing your thing. He said, this is why you're fleshly. You can't even get along. Like you are hmm. operating literally in jealousy and strife and disunity and division. And he says, I can't feed you milk because, well, you all can't learn how to quit being a bunch of babies, not getting along with each other. (laughs) You can never grow up and you're so hurt and offended over every single thing that you can never receive anything. Because even if I give you meat, if you don't know how to operate outside of strife and jealousy and you're offended and hurt all the time, I can't give you meat because that meat's going to be offensive because that meat will make you change. Mm-hmm. And and so Paul is actually diving deep into the fleshly part of it and saying, I need you to be spiritual that can take the meat that gives you substance, but you're so offended by strife and jealousy and issues of divisions that you're actually so offendable, I can't teach you nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Unteachable people. so if you want a word for today, that's probably a word today because we have a generation that can't be told anything or they need puppies in their corner with crayons in their safe corner. Mm. Why? Because we've learned to be offended yeah. over everything. everything. Mm-hmm. And offense, now now we're going to dive deep. Uh-huh. Offense is really a consequence of insecurity mm. because we've it's never true. been affirmed and never know who we are. And this is the tactic of the enemy with gender confusion because gender confusion never produces stability. It actually produces instability because you never understand who you really are. You never understand who God's created you to be. You are always searching for you to be something else because you're never comfortable with who you are. And it's all the birth of insecurity. And break down the word insecurity, not secure, not safe. Yep. Afraid. And, and when you don't know who you are, you're afraid of who you are. You're afraid of yeah. what I could be. You're afraid that people are going to find out who I really am. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I want to find. So, like, there's always something underneath the surface. Yep. And we take the axe to that root. Like, we have to get to the root mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Really, social media, Instagram, TikToks, and everything, when people are constantly posting, constantly doing this, why is it? I feel insecure and your like is giving me security. Mm -hmm. Mm. And it's a reciprocal cycle to feed the beast that's raising up in us because now my inner insecurity is literally going to be fixed by your likes, by your attention, whatever is necessary. And, and so this is where we have a generation that has become so insecure with who they are, because that's the tact of the enemy, mm. is that we're offended over everything that's told us because who are you to correct me? Mm. Are you perfect? Are you Mr. Well, it's not about being perfect. My father and mother and grandfather and grandmother was not perfect, but they had the hope of edification out of me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be perfect to disciple somebody. No. That's, I mean, 
And I think that's one of the, the things that we think is, well, who am I to disciple some? I don't even have my stuff together. No. Well, the people that disciple me didn't have their stuff together, but we was learning to grow together, but they did have wisdom and knowledge I needed. Mm-hmm. And so it's like everybody has something that they could teach. You know, you may not be a master of something, but you are. God has gifted you with something that you're you can only do that. God has gifted you in that area that mm-hmm. you could help others at. Yeah. And I always said I will submit myself to someone who I know has walked in that gift and has released themselves and, and has that they have mastered that or whatever. It's kind of like I was thinking about this the other day when you was talking about how you're a pastor at heart and you sometimes walk in the prophetic. It's kind of like God put me and Aaron together and I believe that we rub off on each other. It's kind of like mm-hmm. it's like his pastoral part comes off on me because I'm, I'm more prophetic uh, centered. I'm the prophet. You know, I, I see things differently than everybody else. But at the same time, I believe that um, the pastoral part rubs off on me and I think the prophetic rubbed off on Aaron and uh, sorry about that <laughs> but I believe that that's what happened I feel, I feel like over the years God you, your gifting will begin to rub off on people and, yeah. and I believe that what it, you know you, you think about this somebody who goes to a prophetic centered church most of the people in the congregation are prophetic I mean that's just uh, that's how it is or apostolic or pastoral I see that a lot in the body instead of like a fivefold working together and all the, the incorporation, I was like, because we have the fivefold giftings, the fivefold, uh, if you want to call them giftings or offices or whatever. But I believe that uh, I think that we have access to all these fivefold that the, the God has given us. And I believe that when you sit under that, you it rubs off on you. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think the biggest problem is identity. I think that's one of. The, the like if you don't know who you are then you're confused yes and if you're confused then like, nobody wants to just stay confused so they're going to seek something to numb or to distract them from mm-hmm. the way they feel mm-hmm. and that's what the enemy wants to do is distract everyone get everyone distracted by cell phones and social media and entertainment and all of these things that are really just a mask hiding what they're really mm-hmm. feeling which is scared and confused because they don't know who they are mm-hmm. and it and it just causes uh, people to be weak. Yeah. It leaves people weak and just open for the enemy to attack them. Could it be the fatherless generation? Yeah. I mean, insecurities, Definitely. I think, stem from that. And like Aaron says, that we have many teachers, but not enough fathers. Yeah. You know, that to me. I it, think it all circles back to the scripture right here. Oh, yeah. It really does. It really does. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. And so this is why, well, wrong scripture. Uh, and this is why um, Paul's dealing with this. And he's saying, I need you to get over it. Yeah. Like, I need you to grow up because I need to give you meat. And you guys are incredibly immature to, still. I need to give you meat. You're on the milk. And he pushes farther, though. For one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow mm-hmm. Paulos. Are you not being merely human? So now he's calling out more fleshly things. What's this fleshly thing? Superstar. Mm-hmm. I, he's yeah. he's really calling out idolatry, mm-hmm. and he's calling out them for making them him and Apollos their idols, mm-hmm. and people kept pitting Paul and Apollos opposite yeah. all together. And then, of course, Paul then will start to deal with this, and he says, "Look, one waters, one one may plant, one may water, but it's always God who gives the increase." Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so he's like, he's basically telling them like, 
This ain't about me or Apollos. No. This is about him. We're just doing what God's called us to do. Whenever that woman, see, I think this is in essence what he was defeating when he turned around in Acts 16, I think it is, whenever he turns around and this woman with the spirit of Leviathan, and she's sitting there going, you know, these behold the two men, the servant of God. She's saying nothing wrong, but it's the spirit in which Behind she's saying it. it because she's trying to bring worship to them and mm. take it away from God. Mm. When, mm. when Peter prays for that guy, and he gets healed, and he turns around to worship Peter. Peter basically, whoa, don't you worship me? I, I, I'm just a vessel. Yeah, you know. And so, yeah. uh, Paul deals with this, and Paul, Paul understood it's not about him; it's about yeah. it's about Christ. You follow me as I, I follow, follow Christ. Christ. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Paul deals with this, and Paul's actual theology. I, I, I love Paul. Like Paul's my favorite dude in the Scripture outside of Jesus. And this is why I think Paul had the correct ministerial philosophy. He was never expected to be served. He actually gave himself to serve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, I pour myself out as a drink offering. I come to you not expecting you to take care of me financially. I came to you ready to make tents so I can take care of you spiritually. Mm-hmm. Paul had the correct ideology when it comes to ministerial philosophy. And that ministerial philosophy was, I'm laying myself down so you can grow. Dying to self. Oh, and yeah, that was Paul. Finest. And Paul said, you have to get over this, I follow me or I follow Apollos. Mm-hmm. He said, this is what's making you fleshly. And these are the reasons I can't let you have meat because you're not ready because you are still struggling in the small things. Yeah. And he and the writer of Hebrews, I don't think it's Paul. Most people say it's Paul. I don't think Paul wrote Hebrews. Actually, I'm not going to be surprised if Apollos wrote Hebrew. That's just me. Um, but the writer of Hebrews says, I need to take you on to deeper things, but we have to keep going back to elementary things because you're not doing the elementary things of such things as repentance. Mm-hmm. You've if not the foundation's even repented. not built right, then how is anything else supposed to yep. be yeah. built upon it? Miss Mary says, ministry is about looking for a place to serve, not a place to shine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you shine too bright in ministry, I believe the Lord will sometimes take your legs out from under you. And as Jason Upton said, how can they see you if they all they see is me? Mm-hmm. So good stuff. I enjoy it. Um, and really, we're talking about all this just because we're looking at First Corinthians chapter 3. Mm-hmm. And these are the things a that happen. What, verse verses. 1 through 3? Right? And, uh, yeah, and then we can, all we've done is 1 through, I think we've done 1 through 4. Yeah, 1 through 4. Um, and, and really, we'll, we may continue with one more verse or two, but... Really, this is what it is to start thinking. Now, if I was going to sit down with this text in a greater way, I would probably sit down there with a, um, I don't read Greek or Hebrew. I always wanted to, but I don't. But I can read interlinear. So I would sit in there and figure out what these words really mean and dive down deep into it. But really, what we're doing now is contextualization, trying to think through what the whole scripture, and this is why it's important. We're going to take a break. I know. This is why it's important to do things like read through the Bible in a year if you can. Mm-hmm. Because you may think you're not getting it. And again, don't let that be the only Bible you're reading you do. Because you can do read through the Bible in a year and take about 10 or 15 minutes a day and do it. So it's not that mm-hmm. much. It's a devotional reading, really. And what it does, though, is it gets in your heart. And even though you don't realize you're retaining, you're retaining a lot more than you ever thought you were. Mm-hmm. And so um, a lot of this is just the remaining faithful and dedicated and committed to do it. And that's sometimes the hard part because you're okay 
until you start hitting Leviticus, and then you push through Leviticus, and then you get, oh, it's, it's pretty good again. Then you get to Chronicles, and you're like, I'm done. All right. Um, so a lot of this is faithfulness and commitment. But we mm-hmm. are going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we will piddle around in First Corinthians chapter 3 a little bit more and um, then be done for the morning. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box to Radio on the Box to Radio Network. I'm allowed to say Radio Land because I have gray hair. Um, because Jason's not here. <laughs> yep, Jason's not there to pick on me. May 17th, 2023. What a day it's going to be. It's the only May 17th, 2023 you'll ever have in your life. You'll never have another one. You'll have a May 17th, 2024, Lord willing, but never a 23 again. So make the most of it. Go be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and go and be a soul winner. Go be a teacher. Go be a father. Go be a mother. Go do whatever God's called you to do fully confident in the fact that he has called you he'll equip you and if he's equipped you he will send you amen so um we are been we've been in um let's see here oh had to wake her up because she wanted me to ask aaron if he would play her favorite song for her lion well i tell you what at the end of it (laughs) we will end five minutes early mariah can you find lion uh elevation worship and so um, Miss Mary, I got it. You tell Emery Kate to listen at eight fifty five and we will play Lion for her, I promise. At eight fifty five this morning. Um, but we have been in First Corinthians chapter three. We've talked about the fleshliness, we talked about the issue of the milk or the, the, the meat. Verse five though, it says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you have believed as the Lord assigned to each I planted. Water, Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. That's what Paul's saying about himself. <laughs> We're not anything, guys. <laughs> We're nothing. <laughs> We're literally nothing. Look to him. Look I mean, to Jesus. But who only is God who gives the growth. Mm. Like Without God, none of, we wouldn't be doing anything. You know, mm. I like Paul's take on that a lot, too, though. He always was always saying that he was the least among people. Yep. Yeah. And... When actually, if you really wanted to look at it, look at that fruit of his labor. He'd be the man. <laughs> I mean, he'd be but the that, man. But that's where he, I believe, that's where God exalted him. Yep. And that because he never wanted to be anything. He just yeah. wanted to be. He had such a radical change. Mm-hmm. And I believe he knew where he came from and what he did before. Mm-hmm. And God yeah. changed him so much that he knew he was nothing but it was only god in him that made him who he was yeah come on mhm mm-hmm. yes yeah. the uh, lord will exalt we don't have to worry about exalting how uh, you know that's that's we that consecrate ourselves that should preach to a lot of ministers out there yeah. don't forget that if you're this superstar preacher and you think that you're the one that the best thing since fresh bread or whatever <laughs> you know bread. You got something against brother? No, but I'm just saying. Jacob will know you by your fruit because he's the bread guy. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, though, where God brought you from and Uh where you was before. Because it's greater the he that is in you than he that is in the world. So it's Mm -hmm. it's like that can go both ways. You know, we know that he's greater in us. We can do all things. But also, you're nothing without him. Oh, yeah. Um, now let's push, let's push just one more, two more verse, two more verses. So he's saying we're not anything, um, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. 
So he's saying we're one, like we're just, mm. we're who we are. There's nothing different about us. We're just, we're here to serve and each will re- receive his wages according to his labor. So he's, that's when we're talking about receiving rewards in heaven for what God we've done. Mm-hmm. For we are God's fellow workers. All right. So we are God's w- fellows workers. Basically, we're just doing the work of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what I love. He says, though, you are God's field, God's mm-hmm. building. He's saying you are what God's moving in. You mm-hmm. are what God's going to build on. You are who you are the in you. God's doing the work. Mm-hmm. I'm just a fellow servant. So me and Apollos, we're just doing what God's called us to do. But he said, what's going on in you is because you are God's field. You are God's building. Mm-hmm. You are a byproduct of him, not us. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever we start to understand maturity. And Paul's basically trying to get them to understand what it is to walk in maturity. And Paul is honestly showing extraordinary maturity at this point. Yeah. Because Paul says it over and over. He says in Philippians, like, over and over, if there's someone that could boast, I'm it. Exactly. Like, that's what Paul basically says. I could boast. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee. I was trained under in basically the equivalent to Harvard or Yale. Like, I had an Ivy League education. I kept the law. I did everything. I persecuted Christians in the name of God. Like, I did it. Like, I was zealous. But he said, I count all of that but dung. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is literally nothing but dung. I don't want it. I don't need it. Mm. Why? Because the only thing I want is to know him and the power of his resurrection. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the ministers are not pointing to Jesus and everything they do, you need to run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because They're that's pointing to themselves. Yeah, anybody, any leader, yes. yeah, any leadership. Not pointing to Jesus. I think or ev- any worship song. Yeah, Ooh, yeah everything should always point back to the Father. <laughs> you know, because like we said, you can be like Paul. I mean, we have gifted ministers who've got degrees and um, theological. You know, they've been through the. We've seen. I've seen so many ministers raised up in theological classes, seminary schools. We've got all this cross nation. We've got all this just knowledge. And like Paul could say, we could say that we got all this knowledge, but if they're not pointing to Jesus, because Mm -hmm. it's his. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you'll notice when you talk to people, you can also tell them by their fruit. Now I do believe there's people who say, you know, Jesus's name and they have no meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. But if you'll notice a lot of people won't mention the name of Jesus Mm -hmm. when they're telling you, they're like, I'm Christian. Yeah. Or I'm this religion, I'm this, but a lot of people won't even mention the name of Jesus. Mm. That's mm. Um, because it's powerful. Yeah, his name is powerful. Oh, it is. So I've I've noticed started to notice that. A lot of times it's like we're the the I hate calling it out, but the megachurch movement they was always afraid that that they gotta try to make people feel more comfortable. They wanted to tickle their ears. You know, there's one prominent one. I'm not even gonna say his name, but. I mean, they chose a globe over a cross mm-hmm. to put in their church. And I'm like, I don't, because the cross offends, you know, I don't understand why you did that. But I, I mean, if it was something God told you to do, it's different. But if you're doing it because you're afraid to speak truth, then mm-hmm. there's a problem. You know, why are you even doing this? Mm-hmm. What, what are we doing? Are we, are we trying to build a man-made system that we're using God's name just to, to build our kingdom? Or are we building God's kingdom? Mm, yeah. Mm. We're not to be ashamed of the gospel. 
Well, uh, we got about ten. We got well, nine minutes before we we're gonna play the song for Emory on the way out. Um, let's back up to First Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen, and we're gonna see some context of how Paul even starts to deal with this. Mm-hmm. So in verse 14 of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, he says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So he's basically saying this, that the natural man cannot understand the same things of the Spirit. That's why Jesus said he was an ear, let him hear mm-hmm. what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, but it, he says the, one of the ways that we judge or we determine or can discern if a person is spiritual or not, is verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things. Now, we see that and we think, well, then he's judging, so I judge Jamie's sin. That's not what he's saying. He's actually saying that a spiritual man is discerning, and he can discern all things because he's listening to the Spirit on all things. Mm And so he has an ear that is in the frequency of heaven, and he has a heart that is geared and led by the Spirit of God, and he has a mind that's been washed by the Word of God. And so now he's ready to discern and Mm -hmm. judge all things as if they're right or if they're wrong. We're not looking for something or we're not falling for something that's not right because now we judge all things. Mm -hmm. Well, he says judge all things, not judge all people. Yep. Yep. I think the things is important yep. here but he himself is to be judged by no one basically saying well you can't hold something against this person because they're not walking in something that can be judged for hmm. because they have discernment on all things and so and i think that should be the intent of where we walk at where we get to is that we we discern things as as people of the spirit we are discerning mm-hmm. yeah. we are judging um we judge things as right or wrong. And the church has lost that craft. Um, I think it's a lot of it is we have been told that we, if we judge something, we're judging someone. Yeah. And my goal is, my goal is not judging someone. My goal is judging something. Now, if you feel judged or convicted because of what is judged, that's your, that's on you, not me. Mm-hmm. So if you're practicing something that's unholy, you're doing something that's not right, and you and it's called out as not right, that's not a personal attack against you. That's an attack against the spiritual thing or the natural thing, even that's being done in a spiritual manner, that's judging it as wrong. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think this is where we got to fall back to. I'm not trying to cut the ear off of the guy in the garden, but I'm also not going to condone deceitfulness, lying, and deception, and betrayal. Mm. So that's what that represented. So the the Lord Jesus restored the ear, but I would say that guy was never the same. Mm. But he never condoned the deception, the deceit, betrayal, all this. So we have to learn by the Spirit to judge things. And not people. And, and I think there is a time where, um, like, I'm not God, so I'm not going to sit here and say Jamie's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. I'll just say Jamie because she's the one sitting across from me, so that's why I get her <laughs> name off. I'll look at Jacob and pick on her, him for a little while. Like, my job is not to judge Jamie. My job is to judge the the sin, the issue, mm-hmm. those things, and to discern what's going on. 
But also, I cannot let Jamie stay in those situations. Yeah. If all that I can't, I mean, like, you got to make that final decision, but I've got to lead you to the rock Mm -hmm. and I've got to lead you to the water. And, you know, one day we will judge angels, but I don't know about, we're not judging the people. Like, Mm -hmm. one day we will judge Mm -hmm. angels. That's what the scripture says. But, um, but one thing I'm going to get questions about that. I should never open my uh, mouth. Yeah, you should. All right. Uh, but, but I know the question's coming tomorrow. But the one thing that I feel like when you're judging or you're want to say you're helping them, a lot of people go at it as attack mode. Mm-hmm. It's And it's always the, per, the person who's doing it. It's like if you don't have love for that person to see them um, come out of that, the, and, and it's almost kind of like a – we're just beating them over the head and just a uh, religious minded, like Pharisee, the Sadducees and Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Let's not be like them where we're just like, well, you're not living like us because you know we're holy. And, and then mm-hmm. they miss Jesus in the, in the midst of him walking on the earth. They don't even know who he is. So I guess it could go both ways. You know, we're, we're looking at this. Let's not beat the sin out of people just because um, we're, it's like a religious thing. Let's do it because we love them and we want to see them set free and we want to see them move forward casting the stone and reaching out the hand like jesus did you're still calling out the same thing exactly Mm -hmm. the the sin is the same either way but what spirit is driving you are you reaching the hand out to pull them up or are you beating them down by throwing stones at them exactly because i've seen that happen in a lot and i think the person who was who was maybe they were struggling and maybe they knew what they were trying to get out of but the person back here was just only doing it because it was just like a duty to them. They had no care in the world if that person, you know, like they just wanted to show that they were this, oh, we're hollering you, you need to do this. When behind closed doors, they probably was doing similar things. Because actually, mm-hmm. if you're throwing, the, if we are throwing the stone and tearing people down, then that's opposite of Jesus. Yep. Mm. Well, the we're working against Christ if we do that. Mm-hmm. The yep. spirit and the system of religion produces condemnation, which condemnation produces guilt, shame, remorse, um, belittlement, um, reciprocal cycle of codependency. Because the the system of religion wants to keep you oppressed, so that you always keep coming back to the religious mm. leaders, because mm-hmm. that's the codependency. Sure. And so I need to preach to condemn, but the gospel preaches. To convict because conviction was with hope of edification. Condemnation okay. is with the intent to destroy because I need to destroy you so you learn to depend on me to keep coming back. True. And it all is birthed from this insecure, codependent cycle of religious spirits uh, that that feeds. That beast mm. is fed off of that, you need me. Yeah. Paul destroys it. Yeah. And that's really what Paul's destroying is you don't need me. I just water. Paul mm. is just, I mean, like, I'm just a worker. You are God's field. You are God's house. You are God's building. You are a byproduct of what God is doing, not off of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But religious systems and religious cycles, they love and thrive and are fed off of you need me. Mm. And that's whenever you can start to really decide, like, I can tell a lot. And I'm not trying to be judge- judgy here. I'm just going to be honest with you. I can tell a lot about a church with how the people treat the pastor. And I'm not, I'm not talking like, are they giving a bunch of money? Are they doing this? I'm talking. I'm talking like this: Are you worshiping Him, or are you looking to Christ? Yeah. And I can tell a lot about the expectation of what a pastor's doing based upon how they're wording their message. Are you pointing? Am I pointing you to what I'm doing, or are we pointing you to what Christ is doing? Yeah. And 
because my intent as a pastor is not to build a ministry. My intent as a pastor is to build the kingdom. Yeah. And it's not about a church. It's about the church. And so this has been fun. This is, uh, I've enjoyed this morning. Um, we got about a minute. Anybody got anything you want to close the thoughts with? What is that one thing that you say about churches hurting their own wounded or something? The church yeah. is the only organization that kills its own wounded. Kill, mm. Killing its own wounded. And so, that sticks with me. Mm. And that's my prayer yeah. is that we do not do that. That we reach down, Amen. we pull each other up mm-hmm. out of that sand, out of the dirt, instead of literally destroying each other. Yep. Yeah. Well, by special request, we're going to play this for little little Emery. She's Aww, so precious. She is. All right. We love you guys. We're going to be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio, on the Box 2 Radio. Enjoy Lion by Elevation Worship.